19th chapter of 1 Kings. He said, Go out to the mountain and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind so strong it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And then there came a voice that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And from the 40th Psalm, the 10th verse, Be still and know that I am God. I'm exalted among the nations. I'm exalted in the earth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We live in a noisy world. I don't know if you could even hear him. What he was trying to say and communicate. And if you couldn't, that further illustrates what I want to share with you about today. I don't know about you, but I get tired of the noise. Some of it is just that. It's sound without much purpose, or it's intrusive sound, or it's intrusive into the flow of my life and what I want to be about. But I'll tell you something. We're not the only people. It was noisy Even in biblical days, I know you find that hard to believe. They didn't have cell phones. They didn't have computers. They didn't have train tracks and whistles. I can hear the train from downtown on my front porch at night sometimes when it's quiet all around. 
that whistle can make it all the way to my house on South 40th. Sometimes it's noisy in the middle of the night. I don't know if it happens to you, but I wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and there are noises going on and there and they're conflicting sounds sometimes inside my spirit and I have trouble sleeping <clears throat> and God has a way sometimes of waking me up about four o'clock on Sunday mornings and, and I have all sorts of doubts and fears and, and ideas about what happens when I get up here on Sunday mornings. Have you just ever wanted to say to the world, Hush! Shh! Listen. Elijah had that problem too. Elijah lived in a day and time when it was noisy. It was fearful. He was a prophet who lived in a day and time in which Israel, once again, last week we were with Gideon, and three weeks, two weeks prior to that, the last three weeks we've been Gideon, remembered that Israel was God's chosen people, the one he decided to witness to the whole of creation through as his people to be faithful. They couldn't stay faithful. They had the attention of a gnat's attention span. And once again, we find ourselves in another part of the scripture where Israel has fallen away from God. She's been influenced by other people. And so God chose to send particular men and women to bear his message to his beloved Israel and to woo them back. And sometimes it took some dramatic experiences. And one of those happened when Elijah himself was called by God to go to King Ahab. And to take on the prophets of the religion, the preachers of Baal, 400 of them. And God told Elijah to go there and to build an altar there where the Baal sacrifices were made. They were to cut up two young bulls. I often wondered how they would do that. I mean, this was a sacrificial system where blood was everywhere all the time. But they had to be some bad dudes to be able to cut a bull in half. You know what I mean? But that's what they did. They were to cut two bulls together and, and, and Elijah said, okay, prophets of Baal, put your meat up on the altar and do your dances and shout and say whatever you're going to say to your God and get him to come down here and consume this meat, meat because I got news for you. There's only one God and he's going to show up in a few minutes and when he does, there'll be no doubt. So for hours into the day, the prophets of Baal wailed and they did everything. And then it got serious because Baal looked like he might have been asleep or he was busy. So they did something even weirder. They, they cut themselves with knives and spears and, and, and thought that that would invoke the fury of the God to come down and, and, and show up and not embarrass them in front of Elijah. It never happened. And so Elijah said, I tell you what you do. You put the other calf up on the altar. And oh, by the way, just to show that I really know what I'm talking about, build some big old trenches around this altar and fill them with water. And then douse everything on the altar with water. And Elijah said, now we'll see who is the real God. 
and fire came down from heaven and consumed everything on the altar, dried up all the water in the trenches. And the prophets of Baal were taken away and killed. It was not a good day to oppose Elijah and Yahweh. All the noise of Baal, all the noise of the prophets, all the words and confusion were silenced. But the news spread to the queen. Now, you may not know about Jezebel. She was a tough queen. And her words were, when I get my hands on Elijah, what happened to those prophets of Baal? Nothing will compare to what I'm going to do to you, Elijah. Now, Elijah was a man just like me and just like all you guys out there. He was tough, and he faced the music, but he was no fool. Hell hath no fury like an angry woman. Amen? And he went, and God led him up to a mountain called Horeb, H-O-R-E-B. It was a holy mountain. In fact, it was the same mountain where Moses received the Ten Commandments. And Elijah went up there on the mountain and he went into a cave. And God came to him. And he said, why have you come, Elijah? And Elijah tells him why he's there, that he's afraid, he's escaping. And God said, I'm going to come by and visit you. I love the way Miss Betty read the scripture. That's the way scripture ought to be read. With, 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 with passion and with, with nuance. And the Lord God came by. And he was not in the wind or the hurricane. That, that one of the translations I used was, was hurricane. And, and down here in South Mississippi, that, that word has an impact. The winds of a hurricane. No, God was not in that. But it was preparing God to be there. And then the scripture, the imagery said God's presence was like an earthquake, that the mountains shook and the rocks actually split in two. But God was not in the earthquake, in the noise. And then there came this all-consuming fire. We're getting close. Fire. I think about Holy Spirit in prayer. But no, it wasn't that kind of fire. And it was so much so that Elijah covered his face because no one could stand. The, the, he, the Hebrew people believed that no one could stand to be in the presence of God, much less even utter the name God. But he stood there, covered his face, and then the scripture says, there was a light murmuring sound. That's what the New Jerusalem translation says. Some translations say there was a still small voice. And he went to the opening of the cave still with his face covered and experienced God passing by. Probably saw the back 
side of God where God had passed by, not God. God. Elijah couldn't have done that. He could not have withstood that. But he knew when he heard that voice, after all the noise, that it was the presence of the Almighty. Don't be fooled that God came in a still, small voice. There was no indication of the the diminutive nature of God. But it means that God came to have an intimate conversation with Elijah on Mount Horeb. Could you fast forward with me just a little bit to the New Testament? On that same mountain, Jesus is at the foot of the mountain and he says to Peter, James, and John, I want you to go with me up on the mountain. And they go up on the mountain and they're there and all of a sudden this cloud comes over them. And there appears in this moment Elijah and Moses. Both of them been on the mountain before and now they're there with Jesus and the disciples. And they hear a voice. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And here's what the next phrase is. Listen. Listen to him. I have a question for you. Where is your Mount Horeb? Where is the place, either physical location or in your heart and mind, where you can go and you can say, shh, listen. Is there a time in your day, a time in your week where you go to Mount Horeb and you turn off your cell phone and turn off the TV or the computer and are still? Because my friends, the earthquakes and the fires and the noise fills our life. And if we're going to learn more about what it means to be a Christian, the first component in this chemical ingredients, this formula, that's the right word from science class. See, I'm sorry I wasn't real good in science. The formula is prayer. It's the most basic foundation for all of us as Christians. How much time, how often do you go to Horeb? Jesus offered the disciples, he said, go into your closet. It's the same place. It's a place where we can shut out and close out the distractions. Growing up, He's not here so I can talk about him. Growing up, 
I can't tell you how many mornings I walked through the den to the kitchen for breakfast. And there he sat, quietly, eyes closed, usually had a book or a Bible in his lap. Started when he was 27 years old, went through an experience called 10 Brave Christians, and the commitment out of that retreat was, will you spend an hour a day in silence and in prayer? Y'all know what years that was? That was the mid-60s here in Mississippi, and if you were around or you've read history, talk about noisy times. Today, if you drove over there on Kensington, he's moved outside on the deck. I interrupted him earlier in the summer. Where is your Horeb? And what happens there? It's not easy. Prayer is more about being still and knowing God rather than asking or petitioning or even confessing our prayer. This week, I've been troubled by the senseless death of these three teenagers. I have a 15-year-old. And when they say, Daddy, can I go get in the car with so-and-so? I say, no, because I don't know them. It's been troubling this week. It's been noisy. And sometimes come into church on Sunday morning and looking and hoping and praying for something, sometimes it just doesn't happen and it's still noisy. But we come. Because like in Deborah's prayer, he is our hope. It's him in whom we put our trust. So prayer at Mount Horbrib, where we can hear the still small voice, doesn't happen all the time, and it doesn't happen without practice. Prayer that takes that kind of depth comes out of with time and patience with God. Pray that practice and that rhythm helps us create a depth that gets us through the doldrums. It quiets our spirits. If you have a devotional guide, the upper room is one, one we provide for you. But, but if you read a passage of scripture and then perhaps a reflection and that kind of steals you and then you learn to take some deep breaths and just be quiet. Before you say a word or ask God for anything, just be quiet. This morning, in preparation for having communion following this service, I went into our prayer room. We have sacred space here at Parkway Heights. It's right around the corner over there down the hallway. Folks, somebody really wants to be intentional about creating a space with pillows and chairs and altars and candles and scripture on the wall, I invite you, if you've not been in that room lately, go in there before you leave today and just sit there. Lunch, wait. Just take two minutes 
and sit down and just look around the room and then make an appointment perhaps when you come during the week or come up here during the, during the week if you've got business to do or whatever or going to a meeting. My goodness, wouldn't it have been great if our leadership team would have just gone in there yesterday morning for a while before we started? Do you have a place? Will you make time? Will you have patience that your prayer is much more than just doing anything? It's recognized that God wants to commune with you. Think about it, folks. Like the story in the Garden of Eden, God wants to walk with you and I in the cool of the day. He, as the song, old gospel song says, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. That's what prayer can be for us. But see, some of us, like me, who are wired, kind of like, woo! Sometimes silence is scary. I moved from Greenwood to Meridian in 2004. It was one of those moves that happened after annual conference. We were supposed to stay in Greenwood another year. Imagine that and the bishop calls. And so we go and that summer I'm kind of intimidated. I go from a very small staff to a larger staff and there's a whole lot going on in the church and when I got there I had this silly notion that I could do it all. I could be the one they've been waiting for. six years I was there and I lived with this nickname when you leave the church at Poplar Springs and after six years we left you're given a gift and it's an artistic rendering of the people on the church staff you can put it up there now and that's what this is it's an artist's rendering of the church staff. The caricatures are around here. It's Cindy and uh, Malaya and, and Megan and Lori and Nancy Joe and John and, and Shelby. And there's a picture of the church. <clears throat> and that's me in the middle. Now that's cute, isn't it? It's also an indictment. It's also an indictment because that's how my church staff perceived me. And unfortunately, that part of my personality is yet to be exercised. That's not healthy, folks. Especially when people look to you to be the spiritual leader. And that's your image. But God says, I'm still a work in progress. How about you? Are you willing this week to set aside some time? Some of you probably have devotional lives 
and it's your special time and your special place. So this sermon says, yeah, I got that. Move on. But if you don't, and you, you're like one of the young adults in my church and, and on the reservoir, he said, you know, I started praying this week. I pray on the way to work. And that's good, but driving down Lakeland Drive in Jackson is not a place to pray unless you're, you know, praying for protection. <laughs> but it was a start for Chris, and he was excited about telling me that. So here's what I want you to do, and this is the take home. A few minutes ago, we prayed the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This week, can you shut everything off for just a few minutes and close your eyes and get comfortable somewhere and pray that phrase, Our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name. And just let that sink in with you. Think about, some of us didn't have great relationships with our fathers, and to think about our daddy and God, that may not work for you. But you could say, oh God, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed means, what does hallowed mean to you? What is, what is sacred? What is special? What can I set aside and invite God. And I invite you just simply to say that phrase and just be still for a while and see what comes. I, I use the imagery of bubbling up. That's, that's what works for me, bubbles up. It may be out here. It may not be visual at all for you. It may be a feeling. But simply to take that phrase and pray it for a while. And then when you feel like you want to move on? Say the next phrase. Now, Rob, I haven't got that much time. Probably you don't. But if you say that to yourself, you might ought to step back and question, why don't I have that much time to meet with the one who is the one who flung the stars in space and who created me in his image? Don't I have enough time? So this week... And over the next few weeks, this whole idea of the chemistry of a Christian, it begins with prayer. It begins with prayer. And I want to invite you to a deeper prayer life. Take these reflections and meditations that are going to be sent to you via email or take them home with you this week. Take an upper room home with you this week. And here's something else. I know that my staff is here to be with you and to offer and to help equip you. And if you have never developed a prayer life of any consistency, please email, call, come by. Because that's what we're here. I can't think of a more important role for me as your pastor than to help you deepen your prayer life with God. Let's pray. Into my heart, in
into my heart. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today. Come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Oh God, we give thanks that you love us and want to be with us. Help us to listen. Help us to shush our lives down some, just a little bit, so that being with you will give us what we really need, being with you. And so that when we're doing everything else, We know that you're with us. Amen. We 